grace and peace to you in Christ our Lord, brothers and sisters. Amen. Did you see that article? Have you seen this video? Has anyone seen her lately? We went on a couple dates, but I didn't feel like he really saw me. What do we mean when we use that word, see? Usually, as in all those examples, we mean more than just visually perceiving something, right? We mean looking with interest and care and attention. When we go to the doctor to be seen, we expect that when we get back there, they'll do more than just look us up, look us down, and then send us on our way, right? We expect that if the doctor sees something wrong, she's going to examine it, right? Speak with us about it. We expect that if there's maybe an issue that we've had in the past, the doctor is going to look into that, make sure that things are under control, make sure that if needed, a prescription is written or a, uh, a specialist referral is made. Right? Last week, we started this message series, God, it's a mess down here. And we started by considering Luke chapter 18, verses 1 to 8. Jesus tells this story promising that God hears all his children's prayers. God will act for our sake. And that is a beautiful, comforting message, right? As we look at our own messy lives in a messy world. Because in that section, Jesus compared God the Father to a judge who has the power to work justice for those whose cases are brought before him. In Luke 18, verse 8, Jesus said, I tell you, God will see that his chosen ones get justice and quickly. But if we're going to compare God to a judge like that, we have to note something about a judge's power. right? A judge is ultimately limited by the bounds of his courtroom. He can only exercise his power in the cases that are brought before him, cases that he sees. And if the judge doesn't see a case, he can't do anything about it, won't do anything about it. Over the next three weeks, this message series, God, it's a mess down here, we're going to get into the book of Habakkuk itself. And Habakkuk asks this question, what does God see? What's important to God? What matters to God? Is God's ability to exercise justice limited to that which we bring before his court? Let's read Habakkuk today. Let's see what the Lord tells us. We're going to start by reading Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. The prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received. Now Habakkuk speaks. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen, or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. We know almost nothing about Habakkuk. We know just a few things. He was a prophet. We're told that here. This was a man who received a message from God to be shared. That's what a prophet is. There's a verse at the very end of his book, which we'll see in a couple weeks, and it seems to imply that he was a musician. Based on the history that we know surrounds his book, we know that he lived in Judah, the Israelite kingdom ruled by King David's descendants. And other than that, we really only know one more thing about Habakkuk based on his words here. Habakkuk cared about things he saw. Habakkuk's book starts by saying that this is the prophecy he received. But notice something interesting. The first words of that prophecy, which were received by Habakkuk, 
He's the one who speaks. It, it, these are his words. Right? This prophecy starts off with Habakkuk's words about the violence and injustice he sees in his nation Judah and the trouble that it causes his heart. He's bothered. His heart hurts. His, his sense of right and wrong are offended by what he sees in his society. And Habakkuk cares about all this, so he cries out to God for help. So something we learn here, right off the bat, as believers, our sense of right and wrong, our desire for justice, is something we receive from God, who is at work in our hearts. Right, this Habakkuk, this prophecy that Habakkuk received, this thing that was placed on his heart, are the words that he himself expresses. This desire for justice, for, for God's justice to be shown in these troubling times, this was something that was placed on Habakkuk's heart by the Holy Spirit of God, and the same is true for us as believers. Christians should cry out to God when they see injustice and violence in society. We care about our neighbors. Now, as Habakkuk goes on, we see that there's one thing he saw which particularly unsettled him. He said that as he looked at the court system of Judah, he saw corruption. Verse 4, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. There's an interesting word he uses there. It's the Hebrew word yatsah, which our NIV Bibles there translate prevails. Literally, what Habakkuk says is, justice doesn't go forth. Habakkuk sort of pictures justice like a soldier, and the courtrooms of Judah are the barracks from which God's justice is supposed to go out and right what is wrong. But justice doesn't go forth, he says. Actually, he repeats this word, go forth, in the next half of the verse. Literally, what Habakkuk says there is, the wicked hem in the righteous, so that justice goes forth crookedly. Now the picture is of this soldier, justice, going forth from the courtroom barracks of Judah with evil intent. This soldier, justice, goes forth with the intent to take bribes, to, to harm those whom he should be protecting. Does God see this? That's Habakkuk's question. God is the one who established this kingdom in which he lives. God gave them the law code according to which justice was supposed to go forth. Doesn't God see how these things have been perverted? Habakkuk asks. The law is weak. Violence and conflict are not punished. Those who are meant to uphold these things are only in it for their personal profit. And Habakkuk sees that not only is the government failing to enforce law, but his fellow citizens are the ones breaking the laws. In the society where Habakkuk lives, he sees government inaction and private evil. Don't we often see the same Things. We don't live in Judah. We don't live in a nation ruled by God-appointed kings and populated by his chosen people. Yet scripture tells us that we can and should expect similar things in our society. Government should protect its citizens. It should stop violence and bring justice. People should not break the law or harm others. They should respect authority and have compassion for their fellow man. So when Habakkuk sees these things in his society, when we see these things in our own, we should cry out to God with Habakkuk. God, do you see this? Do you hear this? God, it's a mess down here. Why do you allow this to go on? Well, God gives an answer. And let's see what he says. Verse 5. Look at the nations. This is God talking now. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. 
Notice what God is saying. Habakkuk has cried out to God about what he, Habakkuk, sees. He thinks he needs to make God aware of something. But what is God's answer to Habakkuk? Right, The very first word, look. God's answer, he's telling Habakkuk, nah, Habakkuk, I know that you think you need to make me aware of something, but you, Habakkuk, need to look. You, Habakkuk, need to see something. God's going to reveal something to Habakkuk that will amaze him. God will open Habakkuk's eyes even further. Verse 6, God continues, I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swooping to devour. They all come intent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities. By building earthen ramps, they capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty people, whose own strength is their God. Habakkuk, in his prophecy, accused God of not seeing what's going on in this world. God, in answer, tells Habakkuk that, No, Habakkuk, I see. And I've got a lot more that I can show you. God's revelation to Habakkuk about the Babylonians is full of detail. Do you see this? To, To impress on Habakkuk, yes, Habakkuk, I see, I see well. God sees everything. God sees the wickedness and injustice in Judah, which so concerns Habakkuk. And here is his answer. He will raise up Babylon, this wicked people whose faults he is not blind to. Right? He knows them well. He's going to use them to punish the sins of Judah. God will use sinners to punish sinners. Wow, there's a lot to wrap our heads around with that idea, right? That God will use sinners to punish sinners. But I'm going to table that one until next week. The next section of Habakkuk gets into that idea more fully. Habakkuk wants to wrap his brain around it, and so he asks God in the section we'll see next week some more questions. Let's table it until next week then. Let's focus this week on what's highlighted in these first 13 verses, and that is this. God knows about wickedness and evil in our world. He is not blind to it. He sees it more fully than you or I do. We are often tempted to see only the wickedness and evil in the world that our culture, our tribe, our people see. You can be politically left-wing or right-wing, but what you have to note is that as you get into either of those spheres, both of them are going to highlight certain evils for you and downplay others. The right is correct when they would say that abortion is murder. The left is correct to say that neglecting the poor and destitute is wickedness, and the kind of factionalism that's so present in our society today can blind us to that fact. And Another way that this comes out, as Americans, we often highlight virtues like independence and conviction But our culture tends to downplay the importance of quieter virtues like meekness and mercy. Yet those are the kinds of virtues that Jesus himself highlights in the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5, blessed are the meek, blessed are the merciful. Whereas those who worship strength, independence, conviction are condemned here in Habakkuk. 
The Babylonians are a guilty people, right? Verse 11 there. Why? Because their own strength is their God. You can see all of this taught in our gospel lesson. Today we read Mark chapter 10, the story of the rich man who comes before Jesus, having practiced a peaceful and upright life all his days. And he wants to know, is there confirmation that he's done everything necessary to get into heaven? Well, as far as anyone else there could have said, the answer would be yes. But Jesus, who is God, saw everything. He looked at this man and saw that wealth had a hold on his heart. He saw that the man might as well have broken all the commandments that Jesus lists out in this reading. Jesus tells him the commandments are, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not lie, honor your father and mother. The man says, I've done all these things, but Jesus can see that the man might as well have committed adultery, have murdered, have stolen, have lied, have dishonored his parents because his idolatrous love for money was just as wicked and damning as those things would have been. As the Apostle John tells us in the New Testament reading, 1 John chapter 2, if anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. This is the perspective that God has on our world. He sees, he sees all the wickedness, all the actions which spill forth from our ugly hearts, all the dark impulses which we cover up in outward piety. He sees that our blindness to certain evils comes from love for this world. We love the tribe or the group to which we belong in the world. We love the power that that tribe or group has in this world. We will use even the holy law of God for worldly influence. So when we cry out to God with Habakkuk, God, don't you see the wickedness in the world? We'd better be ready to hear him say, I sure do. Take a look in the mirror. Are we any better than the people of Judah? Well, do we allow the strife and angry rhetoric of our society to often bleed over into our own speech and actions? Are we any better than the Babylonians? Well, do we seek our own honor at times? and act as if we were special, as if we set our own rules? Do we make ourselves a law unto ourselves? Are we tempted to worship strength and despise love and mercy? John says in our New Testament reading that all of this comes not from the Father, but from the world. We look at our own lives and we see that what Jesus says to the rich man in Mark 10 is most certainly true. No one is good except God alone. Lord, have mercy on us sinners. Habakkuk asks a question. Why, Lord, do you tolerate wrongdoing? He's asking this question as he looks out at society, but let's ask it as we look at ourselves. Why does God tolerate us? Why does he put up with our foolish and sinful thoughts? Why does he tolerate our blindness to his law? Well, the answer is there in our gospel reading. It's an answer that we can give to this fundamental question Habakkuk asks. God, Habakkuk wants to know, does God see injustice and wickedness? And in Mark 10, verse 21, Jesus looked at this rich man, this rich man who had made money an idol. He saw him. Jesus looked at him and loved him. God does see. He sees our sinful world. He sees hatred and dissension and apathy and lovelessness, and he groans. And then he acts. His seeing leads to action. But what God did in response to this world's problems doesn't make sense to the world. 
He didn't send a soldier forth, as Habakkuk pictured for us, to bring justice according to law. That's what Habakkuk was asking for God to do. Instead, God sent a lamb. He sent his own son to be lied against, brutalized, murdered, but also to be raised, to be vindicated not through worldly strength, but through humble obedience. And God promises our vindication comes through his son, Jesus, in the same way. We are declared righteous in the sight of God. Our sins, our worship of strength and worldly power are taken away, not through strength and worldly power, they're taken away through words. Through a message from God. We can call it a prophecy in a sense. It's the gospel message, the means by which the God who alone is good brings sinners into his holy kingdom. This is that message. You have been forgiven. What was impossible for you has been accomplished by God's Son. It would be impossible for you to see all your sin, all the guilt for which you must atone. Christ saw it. Christ looked at you. Christ loved you. By this prophetic message, this announcement from God, you have been saved. The Lord has removed your guilt. Through this message, he sends his Holy Spirit into your heart, that spirit that opens your eyes like Habakkuk's to the sin around you and within you, this spirit that leads you to cry out with Habakkuk for deliverance and relief from the Lord, this spirit that leads you to trust God, to trust that he does indeed see the world in which you live, to trust that he does care and will act, to trust not in worldly strength then, but in his word, his promises. John says in our New Testament reading, The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. What is doing the will of God? Isn't that just what the rich man thought, that doing God's will would bring him eternal life? Well, John's words here are best explained by something else he wrote. This is from his Gospel, chapter 6. The crowds asked Jesus, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered them, The work of God is this, Believe in the one he has sent. God has seen you. He has seen how troubled you are by sin, sin around you, sin within. He has sent a solution that does not depend on you, does not depend on your power, does not depend on the world or the world's power. He sent a Savior who has taken away your guilt. And he tells you, see that. Trust that. Amen.